Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the show. It's Ben here. Thanks very much for joining me. Nice to have you along. I'm delighted to be joined today by Matthew Confer. Matthew is VP of Strategy at the very cool experiential learning company, Ability. And we're going to be discussing some of the very cool things that Ability does and the way they've grown and what the future holds. So Matthew, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And you are based in Austin, right? How's life in Austin at the moment? Based in Austin, Texas, and we are through the summer in Texas, so we are on to the fall and winter, which is the best time to be in Austin, so I'm excited. Nice. Yeah, wonderful part of the world. So, Matthew, let's just start. Can you just give us a little bit about your background, and then we can sort of move into ability, but just give us some context about yourself and and then into your role at the company. Yeah. So when I finished university, I started my career at Deloitte Consulting in Boston, Massachusetts, which is where I lived at the time. And and that really ended up being an incredible and perfect place to begin a career. One of the last projects that I did after almost seven, seven and a half years at Deloitte is I was asked to design new curriculum for new hires. So individuals that we were bringing on from university, how would we actually train them to be top performers at the job that I had become pretty accustomed to? And I never really considered myself somebody that was interested in learning and talent development and that process led me to facilitate some of the content, help design some of the content and actually see it come to life. And although I took a couple of turns in my career after leaving Deloitte about three years ago, I came on board at Ability and we're an experiential learning company. And I I definitely credit that last project at Deloitte to one of the reasons that I'm here today. Brilliant. Actually, one of my favorite HR books of all time was a book called um, First Break All the Rules. And it was talking about strengths and strengths finder sort of stuff. But it was all about when you're building out training plans, learning development plans, and who you're going to compensate and how you're going to do it. Try to focus on your top performers, learn from them rather than just average everything out. So I, I think the experience there at Deloitte certainly set you up for the future. That's for sure. Definitely. And and I think it what you mentioned right there really resonates with me because a lot of the work that we get to do today is in new manager and high potential programs and individuals who have been promoted to a new role. They're a part of a group that's going to focus on a key skill set. And, and what I love about it is the people come into these experiences, whether they're in the classroom or whether they're fully virtual, honestly, pretty darn excited to be there. And I love that energy. Yeah, that's excellent. So tell us exactly what does Ability do? I've had a look and I have an idea, but um, for for the listeners, can you give us a, a description of what you guys do? At our core, we're firm believers in real world practice without real world consequences. So we talk frequently about how, you know, if you're a pilot and you're about to get behind controls of a jumbo jet, you're going to go into a simulator first and you're going to practice in a real world scenario. 
our belief as an organization is in corporations, we're potentially missing something by not putting our people leaders and our rising corporate leaders through similar simulation-based training. So we've actually designed fully technologically enabled team-based competitive simulations focused on certain skill sets. So one of the simulations is focused entirely on people management skills. You manage virtual employees who send you emails. They let you know that they're excited or not excited about the project that you put them on. And you're actually competing with the other teams in the room. So you all have the same six employees, the same tasks on your plate, and you make different decisions about who you're going to recognize, who you're going to put on what projects together, and you watch them grow over time. And then we debrief the experience at the end of every simulated uh, gameplay quarter so that you're talking pretty openly about how are you performing in the simulation and what does it really tell you about how you perform as a manager in the real world? Yeah, I like that. It's a long cry from my uh, graduate recruitment process where I was told to do some role plays and tell someone off for having body odor, I think was the the case study they told me to do, but a little more basic than the sophisticated simulations you got in place. And you've got a few different things, finance, um, enterprise. How do you split them out? Like uh, the management challenge, the business challenge, enterprise challenge, how do they differ? Yeah. So management challenge focused really on those people management skills. Business challenge is all about financial acumen. So in that simulation, you're in the driver's seat, basically as almost the CFO of a brand new company. So you're setting pricing, you're setting payment terms, and you're learning about, well, how does that drive the balance sheet, the income, the cash flow statement? How do you know what net present value is or the internal rate of return? How do you make data-driven financial decisions? And how do you actually simulate that so you jump into the learning? And then the final core competency, so you've got people management, financial acumen, is really cross-functional collaboration and strategic thinking skills. So you actually, in that simulation, you and your team build a company from the ground up and you deal with external events, you deal with employer resignations, you deal with issues about the products that you roll out to market and what it costs to invest in future iterations, and you're competing in dynamic markets with other teams. So we work with organizations across all three, one specific with different groups, with executives, with rising leaders. And in many ways, I I like to say it's just a, a really fun way to focus on core learning objectives. Absolutely. And, and what was the phrase you used at the start, a, a real world practice without the real world consequences or something like that? Is that correct? Yeah. One of the things that I noticed about myself as a manager at Deloitte and at other organizations is it is sometimes inherently very scary to try a different approach to leadership or management with real people. And what we want is we want to give people an opportunity to test their comfortable limits, but not have real world consequences. So in our manager sim, if you've always wanted to be the type of leader who gave feedback in a certain way, and you wanted to help your top performers by rolling up your sleeves and helping them and providing feedback, the simulator gives you an opportunity to maybe try being a manager slightly different than you normally are, see the ramifications, see how it feels, and then talk openly about that in your debriefs. 
I think that's brilliant. And I've been having conversations recently with a couple of different HR business leaders, and they're looking at either opening new offices in different geographic locations or starting new service lines. Another is actually looking at potentially closing service lines. But these are people, these are jobs, these are leases on buildings. And gosh, that's all changed now with the pandemic. But the fact that you can work through these issues in a simulated version rather than putting lives on the line almost, I think that's a brilliant outcome. What kind of companies are using the programs and the simulations? We do believe that what our goal was when we originally set out on this was to build industry agnostic simulations. And there's a few reasons for that. One, our core belief is that if you're a manager at a hospitality company, many of the people management skills that you have are actually not all that different than if you're managing a technological organization. Part of what we found is our clients enjoy using the simulations as part of larger and broader leadership programs. And what the simulations allow you to do is pull participants out of their day job. And we don't want to build an experience that looks exactly like their day job. We want them to feel like this is simply an experience to practice core skills. We're not trying to teach them to be the best manager in your industry at your company. We wanna teach them to be a great manager and by pulling them out of their industry, we allow them to really focus on those skills. Absolutely. You've been working with some amazing companies there. How did you win some of those brand names and acquire them as clients? What was the sort of process behind that? One of the things that we find time and time again is making the leap to experiential learning is a leap. And so organizations have to try it out. So when we look at some of the companies that are the largest users of our simulations today, a Dell Computers or a Coca-Cola or a Target, some very well-known brands started off by trying it out. So uh, one of the things that I would say to your listeners that are in the industry is we're firm believers in the power of the pilot. We want people to feel comfortable giving us a test group of 12 to 18 people from their organization to just try it out and solicit feedback from those individuals. So we're constantly looking for organizations that are potentially just a little bit curious about giving their participants a more immersive way to train. Yeah, I agree completely. This works for tech and consulting. Personally, when I was doing consulting, we got into some huge companies by starting off in a small division. You do a good job there and then they refer you across. People move across divisions all the time, back and forth, and you get referred on. So yeah, many times a pilot project is good in the tech side of things. So that's a a brilliant suggestion you've shared there. I know you did a a TED talk recently. Can you tell us about that? A, how'd you get it? And what did you cover in that talk? It was a really enjoyable experience. And the TEDx organization is, is obviously a part of TED and they host events all around the world. And there was an event in Dallas Um, which is obviously very near to where I live in Austin. And they were interested about decision-making. And one of the things that when asked what the best part of my job is, the best part of my job is watching these incredible business leaders compete in a fun simulation, but also one that stretches them 
from a competitive spirit, but also from a business strategy spirit. And so what we've done is craft a three-step decision-making process, and I called it Before You Decide. And one of the reasons that I did that was I've noticed time and time again that when pressed with a problem, people are by our very nature unbelievably excited to just start solving it. They want to do. They never really take a step back and think what is the process and what is the framework before we make a decision. So I put together a three-step framework that we've seen time and time again be successful in a simulated environment. And I got on stage at the TEDx conference and was able to present it. Brilliant. Yeah. So I've seen the talk and to be honest, I'm a bit of a sucker for case studies. So I, I love that. That's how you began at the $5 challenge. Is that right? Yeah. There's a class on entrepreneurship at Stanford University in, in California. And I was struck by a story about the professor and the way that the professor started one of the classes is they actually split the group into teams they passed each team an envelope and in the envelope was $5. And what the professor said was, this $5 is your seed funding for a brand new company. And over the next week, you and your teammates are going to build a company with this $5 and at the end of the experience, you're all going to come back together and you're going to present about what you did and how much money you made. And what fascinated me is that the winning team actually never used the $5. And what they did was they spent the entirety of the project looking for a company in town that was interested in paying them for the rights to use the presentation to pitch joining their company to the other Stanford students. So I called the first step in our decision-making framework, challenge the constraints, because what I see time and time again is individuals and teams want to solve a problem. And that comes at the expense of taking a larger view at what is the constraint from making a true breakthrough and how can we start our decision-making process by thinking creatively, thinking outside the box. And that's what that team at Stanford did. And that's why I love that story and why I kicked off the TED talk with it. Yeah, that was excellent. Really enjoy it. And if you're listening to this, definitely worth checking it out. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. What about the business itself ability and the competitive marketplace? I don't want to talk about competitors as such, but how do you guys focus on positioning yourself so that you're a clear leader when some of these companies decide yeah, there's got to be better ways of training our staff, our people to make better business decisions? And how do you guide them towards choosing you? So positioning, and then next I want to look at how do you actually get clients and how do you plan to grow the business in the future? One of the things that has worked in our, our favor is for more than four years, we've been delivering our offerings as a fully virtual event. And nice. obviously in a COVID environment, that is many times the only way to train. But what we've also found is that more and more clients are looking for experiential learning. I think it represents a sea change shift in how people want to train. And, and I think there are two core reasons for that. Um, reason number one is that we are inundated with distractions. There is so much that can take our attention away when we are conducting a training. And so in offering this
that involves people, that is an active learning event, which by its very nature, experiential learning and simulation learning is, yeah. I think is a differentiator for us. And the second reason is a lot of our clients tell us that their participants are looking to be in control of the learning environment. They don't simply want to sit in a classroom or sit in a virtual classroom and have PowerPoint slides just dictated to them. They want to take an active role in the learning. And so I do believe that if you want to get through the distracted environment and you want to give people a chance to actively involve themselves in the learning, that has tended to be where we focused our differentiators as. You talk about balance sheets and operating margins, whatever it may be that you're going to be covering some of the business simulations, but I can't imagine there's any better way of getting them excited about certain topics if that's not their preferred area than live action simulations. I think it's a, a brilliant idea. What about in terms of growth and how you're going to find and acquire new clients and customers? I think one of the hardest things that we struggle with is many organizations have defined trainings and sticking your content into it is sometimes very difficult. We find that many times we're the most successful when an organization has received a directive to either train a new group of leaders or um, radically adjust the way they trained in the past. And we're finding more and more organizations are falling into that second bucket. And so to come full circle, we find ourselves offering more and more opportunities for learning and development leaders, our actual end client, to participate in trial runs of the simulation so that they know what they're about to put their participants through. I think if I had to boil it down to one thing that has made us successful and is where we're going to continue to focus in the years to come is our clients actually want to, for lack of a better way to describe it, try before they buy, because this is something that is a differentiated experience that is sometimes tough to explain unless you experience. So being really open and saying in two weeks, we're going to let 30 learning and development professionals play in a practice trial run of the simulation. Are you interested? And laying our cards on the table and being open for that has allowed us to be very successful. That's interesting. So you do gated or scheduled events, not just an open door, come on in at any time. It's a bit of a special event. It is. And I think the part that has really resonated is in this era of COVID and lockdowns and remote work, our clients are interested in meeting other professionals around the country and around the world who are in their industry. And yeah. so anyways, what we're offering is we're saying in three weeks, there's going to be 26 individuals from many different companies who are all interested in simulation-based learning, but do you want to join them for a team-based event to obviously try our product, but also network with colleagues in the same industry that you find yourself in. And that is really resonating. We ran seven events this year. Basically after COVID lockdown started, we started to run these events on an every six week cadence and all of them were oversubscribed. And I think what was powerful about it is people are really yearning for extra ways to connect with others. And, and I think we provided that. I like that. 
And how do you actually get the word out there to these L&D people that there is something coming up? Do you just do the old-fashioned sales approach of phoning and cold emailing or are you out there doing, I don't know, webinars and blogs and stuff? How do you get the word out there? A little bit of everything. I would say that our current organizations that we work with are some of our best cheerleaders and building those relationships over time. Um, I've only been with the organization for almost three years now, but I have to say, if not for those early relationships that have blossomed into partners who are now referring us, I I don't know where our organization would be. The second thing is I I absolutely love LinkedIn. I I found this job through LinkedIn. I've always been blown away by the amount of interesting people that I meet on the platform. And we send a lot of messages to people that are in our network in LinkedIn, on LinkedIn and ask them if they have individuals in their network who might be interested in a free training session where they can meet like-minded colleagues, but also improve their skills in financial acumen or people management. And we want to give back to the community that has given us so much. And I think LinkedIn is a great platform to talk about that. Definitely. And the fact that it's an event, it's a specific time period or an event where they can meet up with others and and network and do the simulation at the same time makes it easier to do that outreach and share that content as opposed to just, hey, we've got this software package. Can you come and take a look sometime? It's a lot easier the way you've got it. Moving to the bigger picture, we've been through so much, haven't we, this whole world of ours. What do you see happening and changing in the world of work going forward? One of the things that we probably struggle is the best way to describe it is understanding what our clients are going to want in a post-COVID world whenever that transpires. And pre-COVID, about 20 to 30% of our trainings were fully virtual. So north of 70% of the work we did was in the classroom. As I mentioned earlier, we feel very lucky that we invested so much in our virtual option before the lockdowns and the global health issues transpired. Our biggest question is what are our clients going to want when people can safely return in numbers? We did a lot of work internationally. Um, In 2018 and 2019, we delivered our simulations in over 30 countries. We're still working internationally, but everybody is dialing in from a virtual context. What does that look like in 2021 and 2022? I do believe that a central tenant that we've heard from clients is we have people who are now asking to be trained in how you successfully lead a team and lead people remotely because that was just not a skill that we trained for before. So I do think that more and more organizations, even when we can safely get people back together, are still going to look for immersive virtual training options because they need to prepare their people for a world that even when things return to some semblance of normalcy, I think inevitably are going to be more virtual than they were before. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I always say I was running virtual conferences before they were cool. Um, So yeah, ran a thousand people event where we got lots of consultants and experts from the HR world together and about 40 speakers and so and. Ever since then, I've been running virtual boot camps for solo and small consultancies and 
And then the agency work that we do for mid-sized firms, they're all virtual. I don't think I meet anyone locally. So I agree, the world has completely changed. Do you ever partner with other companies in the industry? What I'm thinking of is can other companies promote you or get the word out there? And if so, what should they be doing or telling people about your business? The interesting thing is one of the fastest growing parts of our business in 2019, and it continued in 2020, was partner relationships. And what we found was that organizations that had auxiliary offerings to ours were in many ways sometimes looking for a sandbox environment to practice what they were teaching. So we had organizations that did executive presence coaching. We had organizations that did public speaking training. We had organizations that did storytelling workshops that actually came to us and said, could we use the simulation as a conduit to teach what we were teaching in the day before. So then going forward with a joint proposal that said, instead of a six hour simulation spread out over two days, how about a 10 hour event spread out over three days that included a storytelling workshop intermingled with some simulation play that intermingled with some debriefs about the simulation that went back to a storytelling workshop? And how do we create a more compelling offering that offers from different vendors. And so we had numerous organizations that we had never worked with before that presented us with those types of options. And it only continued this year in the virtual space. And I think it will only continue in years to come just because there are some companies doing some incredible work out there. And thankfully, a kind of sandbox environment, which is what our simulations are, uh, lend themselves very well to other avenues of training. That's brilliant. I think that's a, a brilliant solution, A, for the, your business and the, and the partner companies that you team up with for those simulations, but also the end user. They're going to get a unique or a more suitable simulation program suited to their business needs. So I think that's a wonderful outcome. The length of the, some of the programs, do they vary? So someone listening to this, they're trying to work out, mm, this is interesting. I'd love to pr promote this or help get the word out there. What's the actual technical or organizational structure of a simulation? So is it six weeks? Is it one day? How does it work? The advantage that we have is we can be somewhat flexible. So the actual simulation can be anywhere between four to 10 total hours of content. If we do a program, let's just call it a standard program virtually, it would normally be two four-hour sessions, so eight hours in total. Those are the offerings where it's a one focus area simulation. What we found is more and more organizations are asking us to be consultative partners in a learning journey, meaning what does a three or six month new manager program look like that incorporates two simulations. One is the kickoff and one is the capstone. And then we're including action learning projects. We might be bringing in firms to do executive coaching. We might be doing book clubs or podcast recommendations or guest speakers. And we're actually designing out what a three or six month program looks like. But if you are coming to us for just a simulation, the entire experience, the gameplay, the strategy, sessions, the debriefs would be between four to 10 hours in length, broken up over one, two or three days. Nice. Okay. All right. So what, what should people do if they're listening to this show and they think, oh, I'd like to work with them, use them 
as a, a supplier, partner with them, just get the word out there. What should they do next? Ability.com is our website. You can get there by A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E. It's spelled a little bit funky. You can also just search Ability Leadership Simulations. And as I mentioned, LinkedIn is, is one of my favorite areas to connect. So you can follow our company on LinkedIn or you can connect with me, Matthew Confer, on LinkedIn. And I, I love hearing what people are doing in the, in the industry. So That's great. Well, Matthew, thank you very much for your time. It's, I've really enjoyed learning about Ability and seeing what you guys are up to. So I think it's only going to get bigger and better from here. So thank you very much for sharing your story so far. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.